Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on Him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb, without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God, For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower fails. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice, and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it, you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Let's pray. Father, all things fade and fail, but your word doesn't. It stands forever, and it is powerful to produce life in us. And so as we come to your word, the message about Jesus in the Bible, would you help us? Would you help us to be fertile soil? Would you help our hearts to be humbly receptive to your word so that it would enter us and produce fruit, change, transformation in our lives? which would be for your glory. That will only happen supernaturally. That will only happen by the intervention of your Holy Spirit this morning. So we ask for that. We ask for you to keep the promise that you would accompany your word with your spirit. Would you do that in us this morning? We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a line that I love in Shakespeare's Hamlet. It comes early in that play, towards the beginning, when Hamlet and his friends encounter the ghost of his father, the ghost of his murdered father. And as they encounter this ghost, his friend Horatio describes the scene as wondrous strange. Wondrous strange. Strange. I love that phrase, and I think of it whenever I hear the word holy. 
If you are joining us in community Bible reading, this week you read Isaiah chapter 6. This moment when the prophet gets a brief glimpse into the throne room of God and the scene there is indeed wondrous strange. And the angelic beings cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. God is not us. He is strange in the best sense possible. He is distinct in a way that is overwhelming, in some ways frightening, but also attractive. He is beautifully different. And so it is remarkable that Peter, in this passage, would say to us, you need to be holy like God is holy. You, in your life, need to somehow share in the wondrous strangeness of God. Remember that Peter is talking to people who are suffering because of their difference. They are experiencing the pain of being outsiders. And he says to them, and he says to us, don't tone down your difference to avoid pain. In fact, rather embrace a distinct way of life even when it hurts. And so I want us to come to that call, this call to holiness, this call to be distinct, and I want to ask two questions of the message in this passage. First of all, how are we distinct? And then second, how are we able to be distinct? How are we distinct, and how are we able to be distinct? First of all, how? How are we different? To share in the holiness of God is not to become God. We don't somehow possess His unique authority, His unique power, His unique and comprehensive knowledge. That is not ours. That's not what it means for us to be holy. Instead, to be holy is to, in some way, reflect certain elements of God's character. It is, in some ways, to look like Him. This is why Peter continues to use the image of family in this passage. He has already said, and he says again, you have been born again into a family relationship with God where He is your Father and you are His children. And so what's the implication? If you are in the family of God, if He is your Father, then your life should look like your Father. Holiness is bearing the family resemblance of being in the household of God. Holiness is to increasingly look like our One of the central messages of the Bible is that we were made in the image and likeness of God. Sin ruined that image, and now Peter, calling us to holiness, calls us into the remaking, the reshaping of that likeness 
in us. And that image begins to take shape, that family resemblance begins to take shape in our lives as we move from deceived desires. That's verse 14. As we move from the passions of our former ignorance, desires that owned our lives before we came to know Jesus, as we move from those desires to obedience. Obedience as children. That's how that likeness begins to form in our life. And so in verse 17, he tells us to fear our father. (coughs) That's not the terror of an abusive dad. That is enough respect and trust to do what our father says. And that is what makes us different. We are distinct as we live lives of reverent obedience so that we increasingly look like our Heavenly Father. Now that's kind of broad, isn't it? That's a little bit vague, and, and, and it needs to be, because this call to holiness needs to touch and transform every area of our lives. But I want you to notice how Peter takes this broad call to reflect the likeness of God in all of our lives, and he narrows it down. He focuses it. And so in verse 14, he talks about us being obedient children, and then he repeats the word for obedience in verse 22 having purified your souls yourselves by being obedient to the truth, what's the result? Sincere, brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. The process of holiness should produce love in us, especially for those within the Christian community, within the church. When Peter calls us to be holy, he quotes from the Old Testament book of Leviticus. And that book summarizes its teaching on holiness with this instruction. This is what holiness is. Love your neighbor as yourself. The heart of holiness is reflecting the love of God in how we love each other. And that is what makes us distinct. When we begin to look like the one who gave his only son for us in the way that we love each other. I think sometimes especially in a Christian culture in a place like Tallahassee, we think of holiness as a very personal thing. It is about our personal behaviors, and particularly avoiding certain behaviors, maybe related to entertainment or substances. And that's what holiness is. But do you see from Peter, this is certainly the message of the book of Leviticus, holiness is deeply relational. It is reflecting our relationship to God in our relationships with each other. A lot of times I I will work, I'll study, prepare sermons at coffee shops, and I try really hard not to eavesdrop on other people's conversations. But every once in a while, it is just unavoidable. And uh, not long ago, I was sitting at a table, and, and close to me at another table were a couple of young women. 
And I listened as they, for a good length of time, harshly criticized an acquaintance of theirs who was not sitting at the table. Okay? They gossiped. And then I noticed as they got up and left, on the back of of one of their shirts was printed words from another passage in the New Testament similar to this one, Romans 12, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. They, They missed the heart of that message. For us to not be conformed to the world and be transformed into holiness, the image of our Father, means that we put away anger, envy, hypocrisy, slander. That's chapter 2, verse 1. And we pursue the benefit of each other sacrificially in a self-giving way like God has loved us, we seek each other's good and benefit, even when it's painful and costly. The heart of holiness is to look like the love of God in how we love each other. You feel the weight of that? Does that feel impossible to you? It should. It does to me because I can criticize those young women sitting at that table, but if I were to begin talking about all the ways that my life didn't fulfill the call to holiness this week, we would be here way longer than you want to be. This call to holiness is much higher, much more difficult than just not going to movies of certain ratings. It is the impossible call to look like the self-giving love of God. And so we need to ask, if that is what makes us distinct, how is that even possible? Second question, how are we able to be distinct in this way? Well, notice that as Peter tells us that there is something to do, he also constantly brings us back to something that has been done. So verse 18, you have been ransomed. You have been freed. This past life of of futility, of, of ignorance, not only of sin, but of emptiness, You have been ransomed from that. You have been freed from that. And then verse 23, not only have you been ransomed and freed from the past, you have been reborn. You have been born again. And remember from last week, this new birth that is ours is not just a new birth into a relationship with God as our Father. It is to be born into a glorious future inheritance. To rule and reign with God in the new heavens and the new earth. You have been ransomed and you have been reborn. And how does that radical, profound transformation take place? Verse 19. By the precious blood of Jesus. 
Verse 23 and following, by this word, this imperishable, powerful seed, the good news, the message about Jesus. And once again, you're going to get sick of me talking about the book of Exodus. But the story of Exodus stands behind the message of Peter. So remember, if you were with us this fall, remember the story? God's people who were in feudal slavery in Egypt are ransomed. They are freed. And they begin to walk towards their glorious inheritance, the promise of this abundant and prosperous land. And how does that happen? How does that transformation happen? Do you remember what they did on their last night in Egypt? They took a lamb, and they slaughtered it, and they put the blood on the door, They sat down and ate a family meal and then walked out that door into freedom. See what Peter's doing? He's saying that story has happened. That story has happened again, only better, because Jesus became the Lamb. Without spot, without blemish, who shed His blood so that you could walk away from slavery to sin and death through the door of His blood into freedom, into a bright future. That is what has happened. Now what does that have to do with the call to holiness? Well, what has happened what has been done, the something that has been done, makes possible the something to do. We are able to be distinct because God has distinguished us through the gift of His Son, Jesus. The power of Christ Sacrifice enables the high calling to holy love. And so Peter says, he not only commands us to be holy, but he commands us to bring our attention to what makes us holy. The beginning of the passage, he says, Therefore, Preparing your minds for actions. That phrase literally means gird up the loins of your mind. If you wore robes and you needed to move, you tied up those robes, right? Interesting that that's how God told Israel to eat the Passover meal. They were to sit down at the table with their loins girded So Peter says, roll up the sleeves of your mind and set your hope. Put your attention and your trust on what is yours in Jesus Christ. He tells us to fear and obey our Father. How is that possible? Verse 18, knowing that you have been ransomed. 
Unless we think that that's just an intellectual exercise. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. He says, put away all of these dangerous, harmful desires and do what? Long for. Crave the spiritual milk. Which is this word he has been talking about. The message of what Jesus has done. He says, you have tasted the goodness of God. Keep on eating. Just as God told the Israelites to eat the Passover every year, so they were brought back again and again to what He had done for them, we are to eat. We are to taste the goodness of God by hearing the message of what Jesus has done for us. That is how holiness becomes possible. It is bringing ourselves again and again to hear that in Him, through Him, you have been ransomed. You have been reborn. I heard uh, one theologian illustrate this with bees. Think about bees and what they do. Bees produce honey. They produce something that is sweet and delicious, something that is good. And how do they do that? How do they produce goodness? Well, they go to colorful and beautiful flowers and drink nectar from them. They produce something beautiful by going to beauty. We are called to beautiful Lives of holiness. And how does that happen? By coming again and again to the beauty of what the Holy One has done for us. To liberate us. To empower us. To give us a bright and glorious future. And so our response to the message of this passage shouldn't be to wallow in the guilt of our failures in holiness. It should be to consider how can I bring my heart and my mind consistently, regularly to the beauty of the gospel the beauty of what Jesus has done for me. You see, we will be obedient children not only when we fear our Father, but when we constantly taste His goodness. Consider how you can build into your life Patterns of attention. Habits that lift your eyes to what Jesus has done for you. To how your Father works to make you His own. That is what will produce the beauty of holiness in you. When Hamlet 
and his friends encounter the scene that is wondrous strange, it doesn't end well. (laughs) By the end of the play, pretty much everyone's dead, right? As we encounter the wondrous strangeness of our God through Jesus Christ, it is just the opposite. What we find at the throne of the One who is majestic and holy When we come to that throne through Jesus, we find not tragedy and death, but the beautiful life for which we were made. Because we come there and find a Father who through the gifts of Christ and His Spirit purifies us to be a holy people. Let's pray.